Well, good morning, good evening, EPL State of Mind listeners. I hope everyone here is ready again to the EPL State of Mind as always. Uh, you have myself and Kyle on the mic. Sean is soon to join us, and we have some hot news now and when he does join us to share. Uh, but for the most part right now, right off the bat, I will be the first to say it to you, Kyle, but congratulations on a third English Premiership title with Manchester City in a row. Um, if there was one team Arsenal was going to, as they say, bottle it to or lose it to, it was going and always was going to be Man City. So congratulations, sir. Take your five minutes. And by five minutes, I mean 20 seconds of gloating and or appreciative. Uh, but just remember last week when we talked about celebrating wins, you said you were just going to shut up and walk into the tunnel. So maybe this is your chance of saying, I'll pass on the celebrations for now, right? That's what you're going to say? I appreciate it. All the... <laughs> I mean, all I'll say about this is I think it's very appropriate that Chelsea gave us the guard of honor this year. Of all the teams, like, let's just kick them while they're down, man. Like, that's well, yeah, they had the most guards to perform the honoring for. So, I mean, it was only fair that they chose the team with the most money and the most people. It's true. I mean, we had people coming in from, you know, Atletico Madrid to come give the guard of honor. We had people coming in from five countries they spent 500 million pounds to give us a guard of honor this year yeah very excited even more even more but i'm sure i'm sure you were what was your first initial reaction to yet another title um not gonna lie my initial reaction was disappointment that we didn't win it by winning a game i do not enjoy winning titles by another team losing you know there should be a a moment when our players hit the knees and they put their arms in the sky like they've done it and yeah. you, you don't get that. But that you being that said, lust. hats off to Arsenal this year. I mean, this title race would have been over a long time ago if not for the second youngest team in the Premier League. <laughs> really bad. I appreciate that. I appreciate so, that. I'm sure the know, boys in red appreciate it. It's interesting. It's going to be red versus light blue again next season. I'm just not sure if it's going to be Liverpool, Arsenal, or Man U. It's going to be one of them yeah. because Spurs has fallen down. Yeah. I have a hot take later on um, in the in the segment number two, I believe, whether or not what we'll see next season with the point spread between the top six, I'll call it now, teams, even seven, if you consider how, how tight it's been up there and how, how tight it will be there. But I'll save that for later. But again, Kyle and Manchester City fans all over. Benny Philo, I know you are, you're a big fan as well, so I'll give you a shout-out. Max Tritt a big Man City fan, Kyle Mansley, a big Man City fan, as we all know and have learned to tolerate. Oh, shout out to Max. So so congratulations to all you baby light blue sky babies, whatever you want to call it, on another well-deserved performance of a season. It's a, it's a very difficult team to beat, so congratulations. But I'm sure we'll talk about it more throughout the remainder of the week as well as next week's segment when everything is done with Championship Sunday. So we have some hot news to go over today and we're going to take it abroad again we're going to go over to italy first we spoke about it on the episode number 14 uh juventus did appeal to the italian olympic committee uh that their 15 point deduction uh was to be overturned they were reinstated into third place once that was you know temporarily suspended the point deduction but the italian committee did confirmed that there were foul play within the financial financial fair play rules and the 15 point deduction went from 15 to 10. So that being said, Juventus wasn't third, jumped down to 10th, 
jumped back up to third, and now they're down at seventh. So as it currently stands, they're one position out of European play next year, and they do only have one more opportunity to appeal it, and that would be going to the Court of Arbitration for Sport. And that was the one that you are very familiar with that overturned the Man City ruling a couple of years ago. So whether or not there's a time constriction or time constraint, rather, on that appeal process, I'm not sure. But we'll be able to provide you more updates as that as that develops. Yeah, and that lets uh, that lets AC Milan up in Champions League next year if everything stays the yep. way they are, which is huge. Because, I mean, AC Milan did one of the most classy things I've seen in a football club two weeks ago where they lost a game they should have won which put them out of the Champions League. And it was pretty for sure that they were out of the Champions League. So what they did was they walked over to their fan section and they stood there and talked to their fans for 20 minutes and asked them what they did wrong and how they can improve. And they sat there with their you know hats in their hands just opening up. I think that is unbelievably classy for a bunch of 10, 20, 100 millionaires to go over and belittle themselves to their fans. Absolutely. They're ultras. Uh, I'm sure that gained a lot of respect and even more so now that they have revitalized their European hopes. They have their the fourth and final spot as it remains right now in Champions League with, uh, I believe it's two games left to play. I believe they've gone through 36 as well. So we'll see if Inter will finish third and AC will finish fourth. Right now you do have Napoli in first and Lazio in second. So we'll see if that's the top four. But moving it back over to England, another part of hot news that we spoke about much earlier in the season is one of Ivan Tony and his suspension because of his over, I believe it's over 200 accounts technically um, of betting rules. So Kyle, I know you're a gambling man yourself. You probably should be sidelined from that from a little bit from one gambler to another gambler. What is your, what's your take on this? <laughs> I love it. I, I absolutely love it. <laughs> I mean, 115 violations for gambling. If you're going to do it, do it big. You know, uh, this is a massive, massive blow for the bees. They sit in ninth right now, top half of the table. Without Ivan Tony, I do not believe they would be even close to the top half of the table this season. Agreed. He's sitting in third with leading goal scorers in over the EPL. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's insane. He's got what, 23 goals, 22 goals this season? I think he's got 20 if I'm if I'm thinking properly. No, he's got 23. You're right. 100%. Yep. Yes. I mean. No, 20. 20. 20? He's got 20. He, Regardless. I, I mean, 20. he's in the 20s. That's that's incredible. So he comes back January 24th of 2024. That is the it's second nuts. half of the Prem. And by that time, honestly, City's going to be on their shit. So this is going to be massive. This is going to hurt them. They will not finish top five next season without Ivan Tony. That is no, unless they do some miraculous moves and they get a player that is just why the hell is he on Brentford? You know, like when Conte was on Leicester, when, you know, there are some crazy players on crazy teams every now and then, but that is shambles without Tony. I know it's difficult and it sucks that it's, it's after it's going to be after the winter break that he returns. And just as a fan of strikers and forwards, he's always fun to watch at the beginning of the season. He was one of the most fouled players in the league because of the presence that he had up there. So bit of a bummer, but just goes to show kids and kiddos gambling is bad. And it's even worse when you're doing it illegally because you can affect the outcomes of your game. So remember that in your high school, your college, and even your recreational leagues, it's not, it's not nice nor fun to bet on yourself when you're the one making all the money already. So Ivan Tony, tisk tisk, you'll learn, you'll live, and we'll forget about you in a, f a few years, I'm sure. 
But something that we won't forget about for the next couple of years coming, one, as an Arsenal fan, this is gigantic news. But as the EPL state of mind here in the United States, speaking about the EPL and trying to get more of attention brought to the sport of football or soccer here in the States, is the one betrayal of Fullerin Balogun. He switches his alliance from the Redcoats to the red, white, and blue like we did in 1776. He said, no, I'm ready <laughs> to lead this nation to the next level in the 2026 World Cup. We have got one of the youngest, brightest, most talented strikers in Europe's top five leagues has switched his allegiance from the English national team, being that he was born in Brooklyn, um, and now he's going to play for his hometown, home, home city. So if you have not been following him, it's because he's on loan currently to League Un, where he has currently scored 20 goals for Reims. And this is good enough for, I believe it's fourth place for the Golden Boot behind Kylian Mbappe, Alexander Lacazette, and the third one escapes me, but it's probably Messi or Neymar or some other incredible name. And fourth is Folarin Balogun, who is below 21 years old. He is the first, officially now, the first American U.S. MNT player to score 20 goals in a top five European league. And he's the first one this season under the age of 21 in any five leagues to score 20 goals. So the U.S. men's national team record was previously held by the one and only Clint Dempsey, and that was 17 goals in a top five league. So we're getting a boost of some position that we needed so, so badly for so long now. And that is possibly the resurgence of the striker here for the U.S. men's national team. So this is coming in a great time. He's going to have a lot of buildup, a lot of time to possibly gel with the team and actually mesh with the coach who, as of right now, seems to be leaning towards Jesse March, who we all spoke about before as the Leeds coach. I would love to see Tierra Henry get a part of this action, and I'm praying that that still has some type of hope. I don't know. It's been rumors, but a lot of exciting things to look forward to with Fullerin. So whether it's we'll see him in the red and white next season with Arsenal and the red, white, and blue with U.S., or he goes out another loan, I hope that he keeps his good form and we benefit as a nation from this. So I pledge allegiance to you. Florin Balligan, thank you very much for making our week last week with the announcement. And also, if you haven't checked it out, I would definitely check out the U.S. men's national team Instagram. The announcement video of him gave me shivers, and that's an easy thing to do when it's regarding football. So definitely, definitely check it out. But I know you don't really follow him because he's he's an Arsenal player, and I don't know how big of a U.S. men's national team fan you are per se, Kyle, but... This is something we'll definitely talk about, but something I know you are a big fan of the sport of soccer and the passion and how much everyone is willing to die and cry for the sport. And there was no other event that did it quite like this than in the EFL League One semifinal of Sheffield. You want to talk about that a little bit? So first, give everyone to. what the hell League One is, because I'm sure a lot of people here are like, what's EPL championship? What's League One now? So what, what is that? All right. I would just like to start this off by saying I am a diehard USMNT fan. Beautiful. You know, like to, to question the loyalty. That's just <laughs> preposterous. Um, but <laughs> League One is the second highest division in English football. So, you know, it's a pretty. Third, 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 third. third is it the third, third. highest? Yeah. So what does it go? EPL, is Championship, EFL? 
EFL League One, yeah. Is that it? All right, so they're the third highest. So you win this, you get into the championship. You get into the second division. So we're talking about some pretty good teams. You know, they, they get money. They get fans. They get tens of thousands of fans at their games. And this week was the semifinals, a two-leg competition where they were down four to nothing after the first leg, and they were coming home. Yep. So during the week, the coach of Sheffield Wednesday was – racially abused on social media he's an african-american coach and you know what he came back with more support than anyone you know like he enters the stadium and there's a standing ovation for him before the game even begins and he takes that energy and he leads the fans in a minute two minute long chant and he is the only one out there chanting that is what you love to see in football that is heart that is desire that's everything not only that they scored in the eighth minute and then they scored again in the first half. So, and then they go in the locker room down two on aggregate. They're up two nothing on the game, but they were down four nothing. They come back and they score in the 70th and then they score off a long throw in the 98th minute to tie the game. 98th minute of the game. There is seven minutes of stoppage time in the game there. It's, it's 97 minutes, 20 something seconds on the clock ticking. And they have a long throw from the corner. The dude puts it in the box it gets head out to the middle, and then a simple pass to the side, cross into the net, header back down, tapping goal. It's glorious. Fans go crazy. Four, four. And it was the oldest player on the team, the most experienced, who's been at the club the longest, who scored the goal. Yeah. I mean, it's poetry. It's, it's everything you could ask for in football. So they hit overtime, and the other team scores in the 94th shuts up the right away and right this is away, right the away. loudest fan base you'll hear in the efl at this point they score everyone shuts up fans come back to life they're cheering their team on and they score in the 112th minute to draw the game at 5-5 or 5-1 but aggregate 5-5 going to Which penalties is the score line there by itself 5-1 oh is yeah ridiculous but oh, the fact absurd. that it meant that they needed all five goals is is ridiculous so keep going so yeah, keep going i'm getting this, chills again dude this is not a it's not a game where you're going in there thinking you're gonna win you're playing a team that just whooped you for nothing you just yeah. got fucking beat and you gotta come back <laughs> and beat these guys so they yep. get the penalties and sheffield wednesday makes all five of them wins the game yeah and the camera immediately just directs itself to the father-son duos in the crowd of all the fathers with their young sons on their shoulders where the dads are in tears and the kids have their arms up just screaming. Like yeah. it is memories being made. It's, it's what the sport's all about, you know? Yeah. It's ridiculous. I mean, it's beautiful. And that is the magic of playoff football. It will also be the magic this weekend with, with the relegation football that we're going to have. We're going to see, the celebrations of the team. Hopefully it's Everton uh, celebrating yet another escape. But when you get to the nitty gritty of it, the English Premier League, the EPL being the highest one, the championship being the second highest in the EFL, and then the league one, like you said, being it's a third tier. And this shit is happening, and it means so much to such a, a large community that it's ridiculous. And it, it you, everyone's got to watch those highlights because the goals in the whole entire thing was is wild. In, in, in reference... That's kind of like the whole entire Wrexham thing. They're in league. I think they were in like the fifth, fifth division or fourth division, and they're coming up. So everyone's going crazy. So you will see Sheffield playing for a spot in the champ for the championship. Uh, I believe it's this weekend as well. 
another one. Uh, if you're good with that amazing synopsis of the, the, the league one semifinal, Kyle, it leads very well into another, the league above, right? Championship. We were just talking about the EFL championship playoff update, which is we now have our final for Saturday's game. And that's Luton town and Coventry city. So they both advanced to playoff final, which takes place this Saturday, May 27th at Wembley Stadium, which is the England's largest stadium. The winner of this game takes the final promotion spot to the Premier League. So this is gigantic. This is a similar situation to what you were just explaining, Kyle, but that's for the fight for one more game. This is it. This is the game. So they have faced each other twice already in the season, Luton Town and Coventry. Uh, both times have led to a um a Lutton both both were tied I'm sorry both were ties so this is like okay third and final you both tied before this now we need a winner so Luton Town have not lost to Coventry City in nine of their last appearances and that might be a bit of a momentum swing they still are good maybe they could get a win here just a little history on that Coventry's only period in the top division to date lasted 34 consecutive years that was from 1967 and 2001. Within that 34 consecutive years, their highest finish ever was in sixth place in 1969-1970 season. So this is this is some old school shit. They were actually an inaugural member of the Premier League in 1992. So from that stint, they have not been back to the Premier League. So this is gigantic for them. Even bigger, though, is a team that has never, ever once been in the Premier League, and that's Luton Town. So this would be their first time in the Premier League, Premier League before that 1992 inaugural season. So this actually might be one of the most exciting things to watch next weekend because the Premier League has already decided who won that, other than obviously Everton's fight for survival. So this is this is kind of what we're talking about when we get to the end of the season and it's fight for your life. And this here is a fight for your life, the final spot to get promoted to the show, the big show, the EPL. So I have no idea who's going to win, but this will definitely be a game that I will be watching and rooting to see who we're going to get next season. So, I mean, there's so much exciting things happening at the end of the season, whether it's at the top of the league or the bottom of the league or not even in the English Premier League in general, just in a different one. There's there's a lot of options to pick from, but obviously we have the Champions League going on too. I think we can kind of just roll right into that update as well since we're talking about tournaments and playoffs and everything like that and nothing too incredibly memorize mesmerizing happened this weekend i know you are probably pretty excited about it so we'll we'll, we'll get to you last but we'll talk about the Inter <laughs> milan and uh, ac milan the milan derby yeah you're excited so why don't you just sit there and stew for a while <laughs> well i am if i were to like i said last week if i were to pick a a, a Serie A team, it is Inter. I do thoroughly enjoy the Blues. And uh, ever since Samuel Eto'o and Diego Melito were some of the most amazing forwards over there in the world to know, a big Inter fan. I know, I believe you're an AC Milan fan. Uh, I'm but, a Napoli um, fan. You're a Napoli fan? I Family swear I've seen you wear the red, and that's that makes sense. But I'm, I'm pretty sure, I don't do. you have an AC? I you have do. a Slatan Ibrahimovic jersey? No, I have a Pirlo jersey because he's my favorite Italian player. That's fair. That's fair. But unfortunately for Pirlo and his previous team, Inter swept them with yeah. two wins in two games, a 3-0 aggregate for Inter. 
it was a pretty dominant performance. Inter only really needed one as a safety net, and AC never saw the daylight again. So unfortunately, that is very tough. Uh, but this is a nice event to see for Serie A. They do have someone represented in all three major European tournaments. Um, Inter Milan returns for the first time since 2010 when Jose Marino led them to victory. And I bring that up because Jose Marino, like I said, three Serie A teams represented in three major tournaments. Jose Marino is also leading Roma to the Europa final. So you have Inter in, Inter in the Champions League final. Roma in the Europa final. And then for the life of me, I will not remember who is in the conference league final, but to be honest with you, it doesn't matter because it's just a Serie A team. That's the point that there's three in there. So Jose Marino doing magic again with Roma. So you have three Italian teams in all three finals of major competitions. I would expect this game between Man City and, and Inter to get a little bit chippy because of Serie A's natural, natural playing style. But if you actually look into it a little bit, Inter and Man City are both sitting in 19th place in both their respective leagues with, with yellow cards. Inter has only received 60, and Man City's only received 43. So we might see a pretty tamed final of possession because of you guys, which segues nicely into how much possession you guys had against the world's second best team, in my opinion, Real Madrid. So do you want to talk about your walloping against Real Madrid? Sure. Um I do think that this upcoming game with Inter Milan will be w extremely dirty by Milan. I think it's going to be a <laughs> lot of Man City too, possession. And then I think yeah. it's going to be Milan getting frustrated. And uh, that's what I see. I don't think there's going to be a lot of dirty tackles. I think there's just going to be a lot of fouls. A lot of, yeah. like, you know, just blow the whistle and move on with the game. Maybe mm -hmm. um, I would probably say there's going to be at least a dozen fouls on Inter's half. Yeah, I w at minimum, I would typically on a final, it, it doesn't surprise me, especially in the Champions League, to see a minimum of three to four yellow cards. Oh, yeah. And even guys because with of yellows, how aggressive it is, they're going to be going for tackles because, yeah. I mean, a red card is not going to be a three game suspension. This is the finals. Yeah. Put everything yep. on the line. Yep. That being said, semifinals, that was rape. That was disgusting. Oh, that was just brutal what Manchester City just did to Real Madrid. It's disrespectful yeah. to a point, yeah. you know? Yeah. We're talking first half, 13 to 1 shots. We're yeah. talking Real Madrid had 10 touches in Manchester City's third of the field in the first half. That's just alone is a stat that should just be like, okay, Real Madrid, wake up. Your alarm is going off. You snoozed it 17 times. What's going on? Yeah, there's a picture that was taken, like a capture where Vinicius Jr. is looking at Ancelotti in like the 17th minute of the game with his arms just in the air. Like, what the hell yeah. am I supposed to do about this? Because he's not touching the ball. There was no offense. Yep. No. Um, other than that, I mean, City had 82% possession for the first 30 minutes of the game. There was no touching the ball if you were Real Madrid. Like they had absurd. by the time Real Madrid had completed 30 passes, Man City was in the 250 range. <laughs> <laughs> we're talking, we're talking about I mean, beat down. Yeah. Um, but, but so part of me is like Real Madrid chose to play that style. They, they chose to sit back, allow Man City to possess the ball in their own half in, in Real Madrid's own half. And pray to God they would get the ball in the counter. The problem is that Man City just doesn't lose the ball for the counter. So you're right. There's just complete ownage, which is ridiculous. But keep going. Keep going. I like where this is headed. Um, 
I, I, I want to keep going. There's just so much to talk about. There's, I let's talk about Real Madrid's goalkeeper. Fantastic. It sh- it could have been five yeah. nothing at the half. He deserves. He deserves to be the only guy on Real Madrid with an ovation. Courtois, a hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, he he stopped Holland from scoring. Of course, I lost money on the game, even though we won four nothing. Classic. Naturally, naturally. But um, I'm just you know happy we got to the finals at this point. It's going to be a tough finals. It always is. It's not. It's not a game you can go into and just expect a win. This is going to be the top two teams in Europe going head to head. So it doesn't really matter. It's 90 minutes. You know, you, you got to expect everything and anything. If, if Inter Milan decides to play just the counter game, we got to defend that. You know, if they play the best defense is a good offense, let's load the front. We have to defend that. It's going to be a lot of just answering early on and then realizing what their strategy is and then playing your own game with a little tweak. That's all I want to say. I mean, at any given point on any given day, any given team can beat the other team. So hopefully we get an interesting final. It's tough. This year has already had a really interesting final or not interesting. The most amazing, mesmerizing, beautiful, gorgeous, seductive. I even threw seductive in their final of the World Cup Talk with about France Mikel versus Arteta. Argentina. No, no, <laughs> no, no, not today. Not today of the World Cup final. So to have this as the second largest final of the year is going to be a very, very tough act to follow the World Cup. But I think it, it could do it. But talk about a tough act to follow. You guys right now are one check and only two checks away from complete, completing the, the second ever English Premier League treble. The first team to ever do that was Manchester United in 1999 under Sir Alex Ferguson. And we all know who that guy is. And just as a little, a little, little, yeah, sir, of course, as a little history for everyone who wasn't here. And, and if you do know previous past life names, a couple of those players on the 1999 Man U team, we should all know right now, Peter Schmeichel as a goalkeeper, who everyone knows from Casper Schmeichel, the ex Leicester city goalkeeper from last season, Gary Neville, Roy Keane, David Bendit, like Beckham, Paul Scholes, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, and Ryan Giggs. I mean, just those names alone rattle off some of the classics. So you, you are in the presence of possibly doing it even better than that team with already having the English Premier League title in the bag. Man, you won that with, I believe it was 79 points. You guys are currently at 85, right? So you've, you've knocked that out of the water, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, meaning this year was a little bit easier than 1999. Doesn't matter. And you're in a great position for Champions League. I'll knock on some wood for you. And then even with the FA Appreciate Cup, that. going against Man U to hopefully defend their treble. So, I mean, it's pretty pretty cry- crazy what you are, are lining up for to be completed this year. You know, I agree. So, I mean, it's crazy that Man U won the treble without the likes of Wayne Rooney and Cristiano Ronaldo, you know, and some of the later players that joined. But that dynasty was just unbelievable. One of the best yeah. ever in football, ever. Like the 10-year run from what, 1997 to 2007 under Sir Alex Ferguson might yeah, you guys be are one only of the greatest. Halfway. You are only halfway I from, agree. from reaching the titles, the title count. But already Pep is the greatest. I would put him up there as the greatest manager over 
yeah, for Alex I Ferguson. Agree. I right mean, now. this is this is five wins in six seasons for Pep since he's. This come. is ridiculous. That's, it, and it's, before it's nice. that, City had won one. So it's not like he came to a team that was going to just win it all. He just turned this team yeah. completely around. But that I mean, being said, that FA team Club, that would buy it all, but that's okay. We'll we'll get to that next season probably. There's no need to get to that. Me. We're just gonna <laughs> lock out what James just said, everybody. But uh, that FA Cup, guys, it's on the third of June. My only grime with this is that it's not at home. You know, look at the Champions League. The three games that we had leading into the finals were what Frankfurt, Bayern Munich, Real Madrid. At yeah. home, we beat them seven nothing, three nothing, four nothing, respectively. Yeah. But away, all three of those games were one one draws. So yeah. uh I'm not that keen on City out of the Eddie hat right now. So well, yeah, I mean, but I'm not as that could you be know, your Achilles heel. It's true, but you watch the game from this week and you think there's no one on earth that can stop Manchester City right now. They just did that to Real Madrid. They made him look like a high school team. But in my head, it's, you know what? That's at the Adihad. That's a different beast. That's where they belong. You know, like, I, I don't know. Well, yeah, but I, I can't even say that that is even the toughest place to play at. It's not like it's a 12th man for you guys. I think playing home is, is a massive advantage. But if it was like Goodison Park, or City Field for Everton or, or Nottingham Forest. Yeah, that that is so much. But Man City fans, they're not necessarily – they don't have the culture and the blood in them that some of the smaller stadiums do. So, granted, you're defending your home turf extremely well. But with the squad that you have, you should be able to turn any team into a bunch of middle schoolers on a, on a, on a 10 by 10 pitch. I, I mean, agree. It, I agree should, with that. It should be on lock. You are going to be, be in – in Turkey, I believe, right, for the Champions League final. So, I think it's Istanbul, no? It's Istanbul, yeah. Which is, yeah. isn't that, it, isn't that not in? Listen, I, I know in it's Turkey, not no? in England. That's, that, that's all I can tell you. It's not in America. <laughs> no, no, it's, I believe it's, I believe it's the capital, actually. I'm not yeah, sure. But, Let's, you know, it's I'll just I'll the Google Champions that, League but. where you're only allowed, if you're not at home, you can bring 5% of the stadium with you. That's a very small percentage. So home versus away in the Champions League means a lot more than the Premier League, where it's, you know, instead of a plane ride, thousands of dollars, it's maybe two hours in your car. Go support your team. Apologies to all those in Turkey. Ankara is the capital, but Istanbul is a city in there. We were correct, but I had to politically and geographically correct that. But anyway, yeah, you're right. But I mean, both teams are away for the final. So we'll see. That's also very true. I, I do think we can close that one out i think the fa cup should be an easy win maybe three nothing even but yeah i don't i don't see that for the champions league finals those are the champions league you know that's a different beast i see i see maybe two one two nothing something like yeah. that maybe the finals are typically low scoring but we will see that one's on june 10th i mean shit james um, when we played chelsea we were one of the highest scoring teams in the world and we got shut out in the finals yeah, I, I thought we were going to win that for nothing. I remember where I was. Big shout out to all the Jersey Shore fans. I was in the Parker House basement, God's basement, it's known as, and that was one of the most thrilling events I've been at. It's on all the TVs down there, Unreal. Jersey Shore style. Well, I think it's a good point to pause and get ready for our next segment, whether that be hopping right into our, your, mine, and Sean's team of the season, or we pop into a little look ahead. We'll see, but. Don't go anywhere. We're still in the EPL state of mind. All right, we're back. 
We're going to start with our typically our last segment because we want to make sure everyone is in the full-blown state of mind for our, our team of the season for each Sean, myself, and Kyle's selections. And we're going to go right into look ahead. We got three games highlighted. Unfortunately, next weekend, Sunday, is Championship Sunday. And what that means for all of us is the English Premier League is no more for the rest of the season. So very sad, but also exhilarating to have another season come to a conclusion. And may I say, very happy that we decided to start the podcast this season. Uh, a beautiful season, not only for myself, but for you. And Sean got a little taste of uh, different emotions for once with a Liverpool fan. Um, but very excited that this is how the season is wrapping up. And it will only get more exciting this weekend on Championship Sunday with all the games happening at once. And the three biggest ones I have highlighted have implications throughout the table. So specifically at the bottom and then in the middle. Not really middle, but towards, you know, championship, Champions League qualifications. But we're going to start at the bottom because this is the most exciting out of all of them. And it's Everton Bournemouth at Goodison Park on Sunday at 11.30 a.m. Everton win, they stay up. For the second year in a row, they will escape relegation. We will find out. So these two teams have already met twice this year, and Bournemouth has slapped the shit out of Everton both times by winning by more than three, three, three goals. Not more, but three goals, which might as well be four or five at that point. But this will be the first time since 2020 Bournemouth returned to Goodison Park. So both of the previous ties were away for Everton on, on, on Bournemouth's home field. So this will be a little taste of you know, Goodison Park for Bournemouth. So we'll see how they react to that. But last year, Everton escaped relegation in week 37, which was this weekend. But can they do it again in the final weekend? I'm, and I know Blake Pirtle, another shout out to our designer here and a massive Toffees fan. I know his heart is absolutely beating out of his chest for this weekend. I will make sure to give you a text tomorrow and see how your heart rate is beforehand. Right now on DraftKings, Everton are favorites. They're minus 220 to Bournemouth's plus 550, which is a massive home swing advantage for Everton. But we'll we'll find out who we do. For me, personally, I think Everton always finds a way. They are the second longest team to stay in the EPL other than Arsenal. So I think Everton will find a way to squeak out a win here. And all they need is a dub. That's it. All they need. Um, so with that being said, Sean, what do you have? I'm going to throw you right on the spot on this one. Sean, Sean walked in put his put his headphones on looks all cute over there in the corner has no idea what segment we're on i'm talking i mean clear, clearly you're on the look ahead you're talking about everton bournemouth look at this, this guy's guy. got the looks look and the guy. brains i didn't know that was possible this is what they pay me above us medium out household income for <laughs> right? so check your fucking privilege so who do you got mr moneybags yeah, I think uh, I think Everton Everton's going to stay up too. We talked, I mean, probably 15, 20 times about how tough it is to play in Goodison. I think you know Bournemouth obviously is is playing for nothing this, and they're also kind of stumbling into this game. Uh, I'm probably a little too hungover from celebrating from staying up, of course. Um, so yeah, I, I think I think it's going to be Everton that that hangs on, and then you know Leicester. Unfortunately, today I actually thought they played really really well in that game against Newcastle. Mm -hmm. Um, just couldn't really find the finishing touches. I know you mentioned it. Pope had you know one of the best saves of the season, which uh, preserved the 
the top four or I mean, they probably would have got top four anyways, but it solidified it, made it, it. less yeah. anxiety yeah. inducing, right? For uh, for their fans, so that was a tough one today. But I, I, I think Leicester can also win. I just don't, I just don't see Everton losing at home. Um, I, I think they're gonna stay up. Unfortunately, fuck, fuck Sean Dyche, <laughs> that bastard, <laughs> that bald bastard. I know, I know, but I, I agree with you, Kyle. I know you. You were ready to chop down that cherry tree and make sure that uh, Bournemouth got relegated yeah, this season. Bournemouth's a bunch of jerk-offs. That's ridiculous. Um, <laughs> I think it's unfair that they're going up against probably 12 men at Everton, considering Goodison Park might as well be another member of the team. But I think that Bournemouth is the better team going into this game all around in form right now. But, you know, like I said, and Sean said very correctly earlier this year, Goodison Park might be one of the hardest stadiums to go into and walk away with a victory. Yeah. So when everything matters most, I think Everton will take this win because, you know, Bournemouth can lose out. They've already clinched Premier League next season. There's yep. no reason for them to really force all their players to go 110%, whereas Everton has to. So yep. I think, you know, if the stars are going to align for Everton, it's – you got to win. It's got to be at home and you got to have all your starters healthy. And that's what's going on. Yeah. I mean, Dude, the atmosphere yeah. for that game oh. is going to be unbelievable. Be It'll be like a final. Yeah. I mean, we'll see pretty right away who will have the upper hand once the lineup come out, because like we said before, the cherries, they don't, they don't need to risk anything. Maybe they decide to get a couple of guys who they didn't give the minutes to, but really want to see if they're going to keep them this, this upcoming season or not and get them some time playing time. And that, that could also play to Everton's hand very, very well. So we'll see, hopefully yeah. right away, that the Doffies regain their insurgence into the EPL and continue their streak. And James, but another I think gigant, yeah. I think mm-hmm. sorry about that, but I think you said it earlier this season where the bottom of the table might be more fun to watch than the top of the table come the last week or two of the season. Yeah. That's where it matters yeah. most. Yeah. It t- it tends to end that way as of late. Um, Liverpool in the previous seasons have given Man City a run so that we've all been on the edge of our seat towards the typically the last weekend it gets pushed to the end. Unfortunately, Arsenal, they ran on gas. They secured second place relatively easily and early in the run in. So it was first or they were fine. So it was not really anything to really chase after. And I think we saw that with Arteta's lineup over the weekend that it wasn't anything that he was overly concerned about winning because at that point, I think the towel was thrown in, but you're right. The bottom of the table can be as exciting if more, if not more exciting than the top, but also that final position for champions league soccer next year really, really heats up right now. I don't think we were expecting it to be super, super close like this, but man, you right now, if they do not win on Thursday against Chelsea, which I believe they're, their home, yeah, they're home at Old Trafford at 3 p.m. on Thursday. They could open the door for Liverpool. So right now, a tie versus Chelsea secures Champions League for the Red Devils. A loss would require at least a tie versus Fulham for the Red Devils on Championship Sunday. So obviously, Sean, I know you're keeping your your fingers, your toes, and some other male parent paraphernalia crossed to hopefully get <laughs> a Red Devil loss on Thursday. But this is what we are seeing as lining up as a potentially crazy solution or crazy outcome. So what are your thoughts, Sean, on the Manchester United-Chelsea game? And then we'll get into Leeds-Tottenham after that. 
Yeah, I just I don't see menu slipping up here. Uh, I think it'd be a major collapse. They've also played pretty well at home over the course of the season. I think that at a minimum they'll end up grafting a point. Um, you know the the revival of Liverpool, if you will, just came a little little bit too yeah. late. Um, I think they also got a little little bit of bad luck at the weekend. Not that it it it'll matter if you know United wins this game anyways, but. Um, no, I am proud of the way that they've pushed, but I, I just I do expect United to at least get a point in this game. Chelsea's looked marginally better. You know, they don't look like absolute dog shit. They just look like maybe <laughs> puppy shit. You know? I don't know. It's, it's like so. Yeah, I, I think United gets at least a point on Thursday and puts this one to bed, and then we'll just focus on the bottom half of the table and uh, the Europa League spots from there. Well, unfortunately. Yeah. You never know what's going to happen with City's financial fair play situation. This is true. You know, there's, true. there's always a chance, which is yeah. always looming over me. So, I read, I I read something today that said they could go drag on for another year and a half though before they come to a final decision, go through all the processes, appeals, etc. So maybe they'll just lose some this files. year and next year. You're probably safe, yeah. but we'll see. Yeah. Maybe there'll be like an EMP that goes off in England or something. Everything just gets wiped. <laughs> One team though. That is not safe and, and uh, is of immediate danger is Leeds. And this is the Leeds at home at Ellen Road at 1130 as well, obviously, versus Tottenham. The Spursiest of Spurs team so far that I've seen play the most, incon- the most consistently inconsistent team out there. And a Spurs win on Sunday would officially relegate Leeds, no matter what other outcome there is. So provided that Villa also lose. Uh, I'm sorry, a win here for Spurs relegated Leeds no matter what. Only a Villa loss and a Leeds win would possibly bring them out of relegation, I believe. So that's the crazy scenario. If Villa lose at home to Brighton and the Spurs manage to at least tie, Spurs would advance due to, I'm sorry, uh, Leeds would advance due to goal differential. Dude, what are you talking about? No, you just had it. I had it. You, you had it, and then you just undid your undid yourself. That's right. If, because there's two. There's Tottenham two. Wins. There's two implications here. Yeah. There's Tottenham yep. in Europe, which means yep. if the Spurs tie, they would advance over Brighton in goal differential. Correct. And then if Leeds lose or tie, I believe they're automatically relegated regardless of the outcome. They're outcomes. done. They're done. Correct. All Man, right. I love there we Leeds. go. Leeds is such that's a how fun crazy team. it is. Weren't they got to stay up. Saying that they were... No, yeah, you said Leeds were going to stay up. And I know, Sean, you missed just at the beginning of it. We were talking about Fuller and Balogun and his conversion from a red coat to a red, white, and blue. And Leeds bringing it all back into perspective here. Jesse March might be the men's national team coach next year. There's the rumor flying around that he's the leading guy on that. I was saying that. I'm hoping it's Thierry Henry. He gets his hat name actually thrown into the hat. But it's all Leeds talk. Yeah, I mean Leeds is a it's it's proof you can't just play offense. Like I said it earlier, they yeah. are a fun team yeah. to watch because they score a lot and they let up a lot. They have behind Leicester the most goals in the bottom half of the table, but they've let up more than anyone this season. So you watch Leeds play, right. you're gonna watch goals. You won't be bored. So you should keep them in the Premier League based that off alone, you know? That's ridiculous. Yeah, you're gonna get viewership, they're, you're gonna get me watching. That should be at least something. But when they're when they're bad, they're so they're horrible. Bad. Oh, they're like horrible. They can, they are so sloppy defensively. I mean, the way you were talking about you know Wolves and Bournemouth, you're like how they're stupid. Get them out. Leeds are legit. Just make <laughs> stupid, 
stupid mistakes. And ever since Tyler Adams got hurt, they've looked completely lost and lifeless, in my opinion. I think Allardyce has come in and given them a, just the you know glimmer of hope. But I think it's a little bit too little too late. Um, and again, they're just fucking sloppy. Yeah, yeah they are. Get them out of here. Get sloppy them out of my fucking defense. sight. Yeah. Disgust me. You know what's crazy? You talked about like letting up the most goals. And we spoke about the Leicester Newcastle game very briefly that happened today and the insanity of Pope. The goalie for Leicester actually stood on his head today as well. Leicester had given up a goal every single game since the World Cup break. And today they shut out Newcastle 0 0, which I thought was, you know, good props. Just want to say that for Leicester City. Shout out to White Iverson. Yeah. The goalie, White Iverson. Yep. Crazy, crazy game for him post Maloney. But it was pretty good. It was pretty good. But if you guys are good, that's our look ahead. It's typically our last segment, but we swapped it and we brought it up because we wanted to make sure that we could get two things. One, the real hot news of the evening that we were saving for your return, Sean. And I know that everyone cares very highly and significantly about our individual personal lives. And this just in from ESPN Barstool Sports and Bleacher Report, Sean has committed his remainder of his soccer career and contract to a singular singular girl for the rest of his life. And I would like to big a big <laughs> congratulations to Sean Larkin. Congratulations proposed to his long-term girlfriend for a while. So Sean, well done. Like I said, we'll waive all transfer Thanks, fees boy. so we can save a little bit for that ring, that rock that you got. It was beautiful. So Sean, congratulations, and man. We'll put from everyone Liverpool, here at EPL. We'll, we'll launch them into the Champions League next year, just based off that alone. Yeah. Yeah. Um I just now, now that we're talking about it, I do want to bring up one of my favorite memes of all time, which is like, what if uh, what if relationships were just like soccer contracts? And it's like I, me putting the $50 million release clause in, but it's like the release clause in, ca- in case Jessica Alba decides to start hitting me up. <laughs> <laughs> Throw that into the contract. Of course, of course. Well, I heard Shakira is also available and she's into soccer players. I don't know. She's anymore, on the market. But, she's a free agent. Yep. But congratulations, Sean and Grace. So very Thanks. happy for you guys. And I think uh, that is the biggest hot news of the week for you Absolutely. all. So we'll, uh, we'll be return with our teams of the season. So thank you, everybody, and stay tuned. sentimental boys i mean we're we're down to the last weekend of the epl like i said before honored to start this with you guys this season looking forward to keeping it going over some every once in a while we'll check in over the summer and then get right back into it and start for a brand new season next season but it's a little sentimental because we are doing our one of our last segments here and that is the team of the year for each of us so the way that the format's going to go for everyone to be aware of obviously we're going to select 11 players we're doing a 4-3-3 format. A lot of you Chelsea fans out there would also consider it to be a 4-4-3 format, but it's really only 4-3-3 because that's all you can have on the soccer pitch. And we're going to go through that and we'll, <laughs> we'll give everyone we'll give everyone some uh, some honorable mentions as well. But we're going to get right into it. And we start at the back, as always. So goalkeeper of the year for the English Premier League. We'll go Kyle first, and we'll go Sean, and I'll round it off, and then we'll discuss if we have any discrepancies and go from there. So, Kyle, who do you have? 
I'm going to start with His Holiness, Pope. Uh, unbelievable season out of him. Newcastle was leading the league for the longest time in goals allowed. So, I, I yeah. mean, look at the save he made today even. I think he was just yeah. outstanding this season. Maybe not the best overall, but this season, he's who I take. Yeah, I think he's going to give the the national team a very difficult decision between him, Ramsdale, and uh, short arms, Nico. forget his name, Pickford. Yeah. yeah good old Nicolai um, Pope. Sean, who, who do you have, my friend? Yeah, this is going to be my homer pick of the 11, but it's Allison. I actually don't even think it's a homer pick. I just think um, there's a stat on footballreference.com. If you ever look it up, it's the post-shot expected goals minus goals allowed. So basically, expected goals, meaning um, basically your ability to stop shots one-on-one. He's the best in, in the league at it, arguably the best in the world one-on-one. His mm-hmm. distribution, which I think we all can agree on, is second only to Ederson. Probably in the yeah. world again. Um, save penalties without him. Liverpool forget forget. You know they're still in a in a very outside chance. I'll beat, but they still have a chance to finish top four without yeah. Allison with just you know replacement level goalkeeping. Let's say they had Jordan Pickford or someone. I'm not trying to be disrespectful. Just someone who's like the seventh to tenth best goalkeeper. If they have that guy, they're they're in tenth. Just yeah. the reality of it. He's been unbelievable this year. I think I, I don't think you can even argue anybody else, especially the way that, um, you know, the stretch when Liverpool was really struggling. I think he was on a different level. Um, he's he, he's he a reason why they stayed games. there. Yeah. 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 He dragged them through games and stole points in games where they were outplayed. So for me, it's got to be Allison. I think best in the world. Not, maybe, maybe not his best season in the Prem, but I still think. This season, he was on a different level to, to anyone else. But I agree, Pope Pope definitely up there. Yep. I, I agree with you, Sean. As the final third uh, team of the year for me, I do have Allison in the back of the net for me. Obviously, I wanted to see Ramsdale there, but he's still too young, too inexperienced. He'll get there, I believe it. But Allison, like you said, he is just the best back there. The biggest stat for me is that he was the second highest in goals prevented on foot mob. Uh, with 8.5, which means he saved 8.5 more goals than what he was expected to allow in, which is huge, obviously, for a goalie. You know, it's going out of your way and actually stopping a goal. It's stopping one that was expected to go in. And he was 8.5 only behind, and this one got got a kick out of me, only behind ex-Arsenal player Leno. So that's pretty classic that we let him go, and he becomes the number one goals prevented but Allison by far in the back if I had to put hit someone back there for my team to win it all Allison's back there for me so a big big win this season for Liverpool still maintaining him do you know what I don't know off the top of my head what's his contract look like right now headed into yeah, he, another season uh he's definitely locked up for at least through 2025 it might be longer than that um but yeah so he he's he's not going anywhere thankfully yeah all right, well, we got the goalkeeper. We'll do snake style. So I'll say the my number one right back, uh, and I think everyone knew it from the start. I think you actually punched it in for me before I even got my team up there, Sean, but it's Ben White for me. I think taking him out of his natural position, first, let's say one thing. When he first came to, to Arsenal, he was a center defensive midfielder opportunist, moved back to full-time center back, and now because of where he was needed and we had – Gabriel and Saliba back and Saliba really picked off or took off. They moved him to right back because he's just, he's just too good to sit. 
So I think as it, as it goes per definition of a classic, in my mind, a classic fullback, I think Ben White takes the cake. And I have your guys' number one pick as my second, and I'll explain why I have that after you guys pick you know, who you are, but it, it's, it's Kieran Trippier for you guys. Um, so Ben White for me, full-blown, right back, locked down, no doubt in my mind. But, Sean, let's talk about Trippier. Yeah, um, well, I'll just use two stats quickly at you. I mean, we've talked about how great Newcastle's defense has been all year. He's the captain of the team. He's been really just, you know, very solid defensively. But from a going forward standpoint, you know, Ben White's had a nice year. He's not even close to Trippier. Trippier is second in the Premier League in expected assists behind only Kevin De Bruyne. Um, And then we obviously talked about, you know, from a set piece standpoint, I would put him up in the other than Ward Prowse, maybe De Bruyne and Trent. He's, you know, he's probably even put him above Trent in set pieces. He's, he's great on set pieces as well in swinging and out swinging corners, free kicks. He's phenomenal. I would say, I, I, you know, confidently Ben White, great year. Definitely deserves a shout out, but I'm going Trippier. And I kind of expected that. And my argument to that, and I know Kyle, you're with Trippier as well is yeah. Trippier was second in chances created with 107, which is un, unreasonably, extremely high for a fullback. But the reason why he's there and that high is because he takes every corner kick for Newcastle and he does every set piece for Newcastle. I'm talking just right back, throw him back there, straight up defender. You have people on other teams that are their corner kick taker because they can do what Trippier does. It just happens to be that Trippier is the best one on Newcastle for it. So that's my only argument. I definitely would say Trippier deserves a right back for a lot, if not the majority of everyone, but Ben White still has my heart. So I'm going to give it to him. But very respectful selection for you and Kyle. Kyle, you have anything to add for your right back? Uh, Not really. You guys covered most of that. I would just say that I think Trippier this season reminded me a lot of Trent Alexander-Arnold from an old season, which is a very Mm -hmm. high compliment considering I think TAA was one of the best, you know, backs there was in all of soccer over the last three seasons. So, you know, being compared to him is is high praise. Yeah. Well, moving towards their left side, the center back, we're doing in pairs, I guess. We'll give both of them at the same time and kind of describe one or another if we don't agree with one. But this is no surprise for me and for Sean for your selection here. Who do you have as your center backs there, Kyle? Uh, I have Diaz and Stones. This this was there wasn't even a debate within my head. These two led up thirty one goals this season so far over thirty six games as a center back duo. There's that's yeah. all I have to say about it. That's it. Not 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 too shabby, not not zero, but not too shabby. You know. I mean, it's best in the league by far. I wouldn't not by far. I'm sorry. Newcastle had thirty two goals allowed, but then we're talking in the forties. So if you want to talk about chemistry. Why would yeah. you right? Why would you break those two up? Those two alone is probably the best package center back deal you can get in soccer right now. Package deal wise, though, Sean, who are your center backs? If you have a counter argument to those, yeah. So uh, I think John Stones is phenomenal. My argument about why he wouldn't make my team of the year at center back is that he played right back for most of the year. He was the like when Pep moved to that four center back system, essentially he either played right back or in midfield. So he really hasn't played center back in months. Um, I do think he's phenomenal. And I think Diaz is also, you know, probably the best center back in the league. 
But for me this year, Botman and Saliba, the two guys that I have as my picks, uh, Botman in particular, you know, actually, I think they're both left footed, right? Or no, 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 sorry, Saliba's right footed. Saliba's right. Yeah, because Gabrielle plays in the left for Arsenal. Correct. Um, Botman's left footed, so that, that actually works even better. They can play alongside each other. 87% tackle success rate. Uh, he's third in the Premier League, top among center backs in that stat. And he's also really good at passing. He's an 88% passer. Um, we've, again, the last time, not the last time I'll mention it, excuse me, but, um, you know, the Newcastle defense has been phenomenal a year, at least amount of goals conceded in the league. Sven Botman signing um, from Lille this summer pretty much was was the main addition that they made from last year, obviously Pope as well. Um to that back line, but he's been he's been phenomenal. I would say those two. I mean, Saliba, just look at how much Arsenal's fallen off without him. Um, yep. Even before their decline in terms of results, uh, you could see like the XG was always starting to creep up. Like they were still creating the amount of chances, but they were conceding more often. Um, and I think the guy whose performance dropped the most alongside him was, or behind him actually, was Ramsdale. I think he mm-hmm. wasn't as comfortable because of how great Saliba is that playing out from the back that it took a lot of pressure off Ramsdale from a distribution responsibility. And I think uh, that he, you know, it was a major, major point in the title when his injury happened. So those two guys is, you know, my center backs. Absolutely. I, I agree with you. I have Saliba as my number one. And I was between him and one other who was my second selection and, and Botman. I actually almost had an identical center back as you, but one thing that I'll say and, and kind of picks off on what you said, Bauman only missed three games, which is gigantic for a center back. First of all, to only miss three games in the entire season. But like you said, if you see how badly Arsenal missed Saliba, that for me edges out a lot and how significant his role just coming in for the first season after going out and loan for three seasons. So just to show how much he has grown and he's still only 21, 22 years old, I believe. So it's crazy. So I have Saliba there. I really hope this back issue does not persist and carry on through the offseason. I'm sure it won't. I'm sure they kind of outweighed the, the, you know, the problems going forward. But my next one, and by the way, Saliba missed 11 games, which is insane. I don't know if you said that, Sean, already, but he missed 11 games right after the sporting uh, loss. So this one is, is a bit of a whirlwind. I wasn't even on your list of nominees. I went out of my way, and it's very unlike me to pick another London team, but he's still killing it at the age of 38. I consider him world-class with 1.7 tackles, 0.16 blocks, 4.22 clearances, 1.31 interceptions per 90, and a massive presence. The only thing that did not fail Chelsea this year is Thiago Silva. And that is my two center backs there. It does not benefit that they're both preferably right-footed, but I still think Thiago Silva is one of the best in the entire world. And he was overshadowed on how good he was this season with how horrendous Chelsea was. But like my brother even said a couple episodes ago, Chelsea did not lack in the defense department, mainly because of him. They lacked in the attacking department. So that's that's what my two cents is. I know that's going to be the hottest take, I think, of the team of the year for us here. But I do still respect highly the 38-year-old that is performing as a high of a center back as can be. Listen, I, I respect that. And I think that he you know, is still a phenomenal player. I think he missed way too much time. Even compare him to Saliba. So we talked about uh, Saliba missed 11 games. 
Uh, Tiago Silva missed 13. He played a full 280 less minutes than Saliba did yep. this year. So yep. that's that's a major reason why he missed out for me. But this is the first one where we don't have consensus. So let's say we're, we're building a, a graphic to, to post here. Do we do Diaz and Saliba? Is everybody in agreement on that? Is that fair? Or do you, would you I would. have Stones ahead of Saliba, Kyle? Uh, no, I would say if it was a package deal, it would be those two. Okay. But no, I, I would put Saliba over Stones if, if we're just taking players. Okay. All right. Saliba and I can agree C- with that. Saliba and Diaz at, at center back then. And then let's move over to the left side of the pitch. We'll, uh, so that means it goes back to Kyle now. Kyle, you're, uh, you're up picking the left back. The couple of guys that we mentioned, Ake, Shaw, and Zinchenko. All right, so and out of those three, to I'm going to choose. Um, I'm going to choose Jao Cancelo because he did play <laughs> as left back at one point this season, and he was the best. <laughs> okay, so Kyle decided to make a mockery of the entire segment. No, I, w- I would not. I would not say that. I would say if we're I choosing the team this season, a mockery. A he, mockery. He he, bro, he left in January, January second. So, so he played half the season. January. We round up in the EPL state of mind over here. No. Yeah, um, of course. Absolute nonsense. Nonsense. Did, did, he, did he play 18 games for City? Did he play half half the games this year? I would no. go ahead and say he, he played, probably played he, 19 games. He more played than half. in 16 games. 16. It must 16 have been hurt. Games, it must have been hurt. I think that's just no. that's disqualification he, right away. Yeah. So all right, all right, all right, so, all right. Then out of the out of the remaining players, if I had to choose a pity player, a pity. it would probably be Zinchenko. Just based off how well he played this season, how he was used as left back, left mid, left forward, you name the position on the left side of the field, he was crucial and he actually made a difference on that left side. Yep. That is yeah. that is a if I had to consensus. pick one of those four players, that is. Unbelievable. Of course. Of course. Yeah, I mean yeah. the Ukrainian monster that was an ex city fan a city player, so I was surprised that you didn't just pick him off the bat because he actually probably played more. Uh, games this season representing or showing city ability uh then well i didn't know this was how many games have you played i thought this was who was the best left back in the premier league (laughs) you know what i'm saying well he's not in the premier league anymore but we can move on left back across the board zinchenko takes the cake um i'm good with moving on sean unless you have a a specific stat for him we're going to carry on we enter the midfield in the defensive midfielder position and none of us agreed on this one and I'll start off going snake style the other way. I put Bruno Gamares because I honestly think that he, although not his first season at Newcastle because Newcastle was able to bring in a lot of surrounding pieces, was able to showcase his ability of defensive core and his ability to bring the ball up and creativeness to do what he can. I, I just think he is top of the league. I think if I compare him to Thomas Party, just as a baseline, I think they're on two different levels. I think Bruno is much better, but Party lacks the killer trait that you need to be ahead of defense for the whole league, and Bruno has that tenfold. So he's my selection for center defensive mid. I know, Sean, you have someone else, and Kyle, you have someone else, which is actually surprising me. I thought, Sean and Kyle, you'd be switched, but, Sean, you have Rodri, no? Yeah, so I I just I've gone back and forth on this. I think this is the position with the most depth in terms of quality. There's probably yeah, five or six names that we could have thrown out here. I mean, obviously I picked Rodri, Jorginho, Casemiro. Yeah. Uh yeah, Jorginho 
I wouldn't wipe my ass with Jorginho. <laughs> um, I would say Casemiro obviously deserves a shout. Obviously, a couple missed what seven or eight games with suspension this year, so that that's unfortunate for him. But I think Rodri's the best one. I think he had the best season. Bruno Grimares, I agree, phenomenal, and I, and he was my second place pick. Um, you could also mention guys like Casado, Thomas Party, mm-hmm. who did fall off a little bit towards the end of the year, and your boy Declan Rice, the 120 20 million pound man. All three Plus of those player. guys are are you know within it, but I I think from what Rodri can do from a you know both breaking up play, um, he stops so many counter attacks or potential counter attacks for City, um, and and you love using foot mod. So if you look at their rating model, uh, here's who graded higher than him this year in in the Prem. Kieran Trippier is number one, Kevin De Bruyne is number two, and number three is Erling Holland. That's it. Yeah. Nobody else yeah. had a higher score than him this year. So, uh, man of the match performances in five. I think you know, for me, the City midfield as a whole, and and you know, we'll get into it in a second, but just is is on a different playing field, and that's really what separates them from from everybody else. Agreed. Agreed. And Kyle, your selection. Uh, yeah, I have Casemiro up there as the best. I agree with Sean where Rodri had an unbelievable season, but in my opinion, Man City just had one of those teams where you could put anything more talented than a cone where Rodri was, and he would have performed to a very high level. But when you look at what Casemiro did for Man U, I mean, he's, you know, he's 16 wins out of 20, was it 26 starts? So yeah. they're winning a lot of games with him, and Man U as a team has 21 wins. So yeah. More than three quarters of their wins come from when Casemiro is on the field, and out of the games, I think Sean said he's missed seven. Manu's lost five. Uh, he's yeah. actually even missed more than that. He he made twenty two starts and played in twenty six. So he missed twelve games over the course of the year. But yeah, he missed I, seven I due to red cards. Yeah, so like when he's not on the field, that team is way different. I think he just had the most yeah. impact this year as a center defensive mid. So I think that's why you would take him. And I, mean, I actually. Also, Look what he did for man or Real Madrid. His yeah. talent is not up for question. Yeah, he elevated that whole Man, man U team. To your point, um, and and they struggled without him. So I'm I'm okay with conceding uh, and having Casemiro on the spot. Tess, I mean, unless you have any objections, I think we can we can put Casemiro yeah, on no. there. Yeah, the also just to hype three him up a little is more. Typically, two his, against uh, one, so that's fine by me. Casemiro makes it. His off field. I mean, antics. I think I think you're right, Kyle. I mean, Gorgeous. they they made it. If he didn't get the two red cards that suspended him for a total of seven games, he came in right when man you need it the most and really solidified it. He was the the binding agent to that team that needed it after Ronnie ran through him. Yeah. So agreed. agreed. I also think he just changed the atmosphere of that locker room through and through. There was a, a video I watched where the man you players after a victory were walking down the tunnel and there was a guy out there trying to high five players and every person before Casemiro walked right past them. But Casemiro stopped and hugged the guy. And then every single person from Man U after Casemiro also stopped and hugged the guy. So that is just a complete and utter 180 turnaround for the locker room after he comes, before he comes. I think he's an unbelievable acquisition for that team. Agreed. Agreed. Well, something else we can all agree on. I think we're agreement across the board on this. We have a very highly rated honorable mention for the center midfield position. But on the count of three, everyone say at the same time, just kidding, I'll say it, is Kevin De Bruyne and Martin Udegaard is our center midfielder duo. Um, I think they spoke, as always, for themselves on the pitch. Kevin De Bruyne being probably, I would put him as the 
the best player in the league, if not right behind Holland this year. So that goes without a doubt. His versatility really showed this year for the first time, being able to play besides Holland, uh, really being the maestro for the majority of games. And he didn't even play a lot of the games in the middle of the season. I remember we were talking about where the hell is he? Has he fallen off with Pep? Are they getting into arguments? But it just shows that it does not matter. He goes out, he performs, he kills it every time. And the highlight, I think, for him is that game against Arsenal when they needed him the most. He put two in the back of the net without a sweat. So I think Kevin De Bruyne on the side of assists and the side of goals, I think he is by far the greatest. And he he finishes, or will right now, if you look at it, finishes the season in sixth place with with 23 goals and assists. So that's six with combined goal contributions. So without further ado, you have Kem De Bruyne, and then you also have Martin Udegaard, who is right behind him with 22 goals and assists attributions. And that is split almost evenly with plus 10 goals and plus 10 assists for him in the season, who is the third player on the Arsenal team to do it. So this is really his breakout year. He's the skipper for the first season. Arsenal looking to extend his contract further than 2025. So I think that if that's done, you will see Martin Unigard as being one of the world's greatest center mids in a couple future seasons. So I think we picked a very good two right there. Anyone have anything else to add specifically? Yeah, I just want to mention that we we the the guy as an honorable mention for each of us was yes. uh, was Gundogan. Uh, Ilkay Gundogan's mm-hmm. been phenomenal this year, especially down the stretch for City. He's 100%. the guy, that, unfortunately, that fucking ripped my heart out last May and uh, you know saved saved City from bottling the league on the last day against Aston Villa, and he's carried it forward this year. I think he's been excellent. And my one criticism of, of Udegaard is just in the big big games, I feel like he's kind of gone invisible. Not all of them, obviously. Yeah. He was there when you and I watched the game at uh, – oh, what's what's the free – oh, Mulligans, duh. Oh, yeah. brain fart. Yep. Um, but when we watched that game at Mulligans against Tottenham, he scored that banger from outside the box. But I just think overall, he, um, I think he's probably – Falling off in the city game, the second Liverpool mm-hmm. game. I just don't think he impacted. And uh, the first one against Newcastle as well, just didn't, not his best games, not his most impactful performances. It's great when you're kicking the shit out of Southampton and Leeds, but you got to do it in yeah. the big games too. So that's, that's the I next think, step for yeah. him. He's still young. Yeah. I think, yeah, exactly. So he's still young. I think that will come with time. And I think that will come even more so with the experience that the surrounding players around him will be able to relieve some of that pressure in those big games, right? It can't all be on one person's shoulder, but obviously as a skipper and the central midfielder, that that typically lands on you. But very good, promising players still to come in the next couple of years there. Um, we'll see where Ilkay Gundogan goes next year. He could be performing at Arsenal or he could be going to Barcelona. He will be leaving uh, Man City if they have anything else to say about it, money-wise, uh, on free transfer in the summer market. So very very intriguing to see where he goes next season. Yeah. The other guy, sorry, I just wanted to mention as my honorable mention was uh, Alexis McAllister from Brighton. He's played mm-hmm. both as an eight and a 10 in parts of this year. Um, and he's also expected to leave in the summer. So those two guys, uh, Gunduan and, and McAllister, hopefully staying in the prem because we're, you know, we're selfish. We want to see all the great players play in the prem, but um, be interesting to see where their, their next moves go. Yeah. Selfishly for you, McAllister could be a Liverpool too. Yeah, <laughs> but well, that would be nice. Yeah. Right wing. We have two for one person and one for, of course, another. And Sean, we'll start smack dab in the middle because you're the solo artist on this one. This is one. I'll give you the honors. Yeah. So uh, I think 
You're, no one's going to be surprised. I picked Mo Salah here. Uh, 30 goal involvements, only behind Harry Kane and Erling Holland. If he scores in the next game, he'll be the first player in Premier League history to have three 20-goal tennis seasons. He had more goals than Saka. He had uh, the same amount of assists. He played in a less functional team. He was more crucial to his team down the stretch when they needed him. I think Saka was probably the guy in the front three or front four of Arsenal who probably fell off the most down the stretch when they needed him most. Um, so personally, I think it's got to be Mo. He also had half the amount of penalty goals scored um, and still scored five more goals or six more goals than the man. Mm-hmm. I, it's It's got stats, advanced stats, back it up, XG. Um, you know, he created more chances. It's it, it's Salah. He's, he's the best right wing in the league. He's been the best right wing in the league for whatever, five years, however long he's been at Liverpool. So that's my pick. I agree, Kyle. You mind? I'll, I'll combat this one. And I, I don't at, by any means uh, condone against Salah. I think he is incredible. I think that this would have been a more obvious number one choice, but because of how he started the season. Uh, he was in a bit of a slow start to the season, I think, in performance-wise. And it showed because of the form that Liverpool was in. I don't doubt that if Liverpool was in a greater form all around with all fi- all cylinders firing with without the injuries, Salah would have had an even greater season because it wouldn't all have been through him, which it was for the majority of the season. But I only say this because his expected goals is higher than his actual achieved goal. So he, he through the season, had an XG of 20.5 to Saka's uh, – I'm sorry – XG's 20.5 to his 19 goals, and Saka's XG's was 11.2 to his 13 actual goals. So Saka overplayed or over, um, I guess. So he's due for regression. So he's due for regression, and he created, and he he was expected to score half the amount of goals, and he scored six less goals. So you want the less effective player who assists less, creates less chances, and scores less. That's right. I just want to clarify for the team of the year. That's that's who we're picking. That's how we're doing. This. I'm picking Saka because of because he performed more consistently throughout the season for his team, and yeah. it was balanced. If you were to eliminate, let's say this: if you were to look back in previous season, if you were to eliminate Martinelli's high performance, if you were to eliminate M- Martin Udegaard's high performance, if you were to eliminate Jesus, because essentially that's what Liverpool did, right? They did not have the true forward that they had because of injuries. They lost Diaz on the left side due to injury, and their central midfielder was in shambles. So the only option that they had was to go through Mo Salah. So naturally, you're going to have the most opportunities. You're going to have the most shots on goals. You're going to have the most goals for your team because you're the only one that can do it right there. Saka was able to not only be one of three players from Arsenal to go over 10 goals and over 10 assists in one season, but to do it and still be a high target for a lot of people. And not not to bring anyone else into this, but I know that outside of our selection, Gary Neville, I know that um, Keane, their team of the season has Saka on the on the right side as well. And there's no knock against Mo Salah, but I think it's just because the only option Liverpool had attacking wise through was Salah, except for the part where Darwin Nunez had two times more XG than Bukayo Saka. So he's you're saying that Liverpool wasn't creating chances and that Salah was the only outlet, except we forget the part there, the whole first half of the season, Nunez had a million chances and didn't convert. So yeah, 
But Solid Nunez couldn't even hit the broadside of a barn if it was in front of him in the beginning of the season. So yeah. it, it had to still go through Solid to actually get the results. But he was no, because it still was going through. They had less possession than Arsenal. Arsenal has more of the ball, more chances. I I don't agree with I like understand obviously that's you know putting sock on here he had a great year but mm-hmm. Salah is the best right winger in the league and had the best season if we're being realistic i think Saka being 23 or whatever he is 21 21 yeah great but it doesn't mean he had the best season it just means he's going to be a great player i think he's what he's going to be and what he is right now are two very different things and i think what he's going to be is pulled into that evaluation a little bit too much for my taste that's understandable i i hear you there I, for one, am maintaining my stance as Saka. Kyle, you've heard both of the statements. You kind of have the final way here. Um, who is your right wing of the season? All right. You're either going to like or hate this one, James. I have Saka as my best winger for the season, but I have him based on his age as well. I think he has the most potential. If I'm going off of who would I rather have for next season, it would be Salah. But who would I rather have on the team? Saka. No goals and no assists in his last nine games. Yeah, not I mean, great. Yeah. We're talking about a team that just lost to Nottingham Forest. Are they really a Premier League soccer team? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, so uh, we're looking at 19 place. goals. I mean, you're looking at the second-place team, the right James, we're looking at 19 goals every versus 13 game. goals this season for Salah and soccer, respectively, and they split it with assists. So, yeah, Salah obviously had the better season, but I think Saka has more potential to grow and to actually make a career out of the next five, six years. Fair, fair is fair. If you guys are on the way of Salah, Kyle, your final vote for best right winger of the season goes to? Of the season, Salah. Then, then Salah goes down as the EPL state of mind number one winger you're both thank wrong, you kyle but a man okay. of culture a man of, of culture of course a man of statistics <laughs> and we don't that would by default put Saka as the honorable mention there but we don't have anyone else on the right side we did have our boy sully march obviously because he is you know brighton and he's out there but that's really have i think if one other one to mention here real quick quickly was miguel almiron if he maintained his poise and his stride at the beginning of the season that he took off like a rocket ship flying to Mars, he would be up here in a more, more, more of a, a, a concrete argument there, but two, two honorable mentions there. As far as I would it goes also, to I would this, also like to give a quick honorable mention here, which is Phil Foden. The man played off. He played like three games. Minutes. Yeah. He played the game equivalent of a little under 19 games this season and had 10 goals and five assists. So he had 1.25 games per goal contribution. That's pretty fantastic. I mean, that's is that all with... com- is that all competition or is that just that's the Premier League? He played under 19 games in the Premier League and had 10 goals and five assists. That's impressive. Well, he did win. He I just, said it before. I he think won he's a Young starter. Player of the Year last year. Yeah, man, he's a starter yeah. on any team in the world except Man. He should right be a now. starter on 20 of 20 English Premier League teams, but you do have another Jack Grealish who cost you 100 million to play against. And so we're not, like you, you kind of Grealish, Mares, and the way Bernardo played this weekend, you're not going to not yeah. start him. You know, it's just yeah. I still think Foden is an unreal talent. Just he's on the wrong team, man. Yep, agreed, agreed. All right, well. The next segment or the next position is central forward, the striker of the season and possibly the player of the year. Um, He is also up for potential use as AI, 
uh, RoboCop number four and the new Terminator are coming out. All right, good build-up music. We have all agreed that was pretty good, Kyle. I'm not gonna lie. Is Aaron Holland, and he Who? is without. Wait, 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 whoa, 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 whoa! What was that? Erling, Erling, Erling Holland. Sorry, I said Aaron. Erling Holland, and he is who? We're gonna make a we're gonna make a a meme off of your who, because it comes out every time I speak. That's on you though. (laughs) Yeah, it's on me. Obviously, I probably should just keep it to myself. I think that's what you're saying. (laughs) Erling Holland, without it's all good. It's all good here. We all agree. Holland, without a doubt, breaking, smashing, and he didn't even play last game. He could still, he could have put a couple in yet on uh, against Chelsea yesterday, but he has smashed the English Premier League single 38 game score record. Uh, he is on par to do the same for Champions League if he can get a couple in, and he's just a monster. He's a robot. He is RoboCop. He is uh, the the Viking with with all of the goals, and like I I would say that. It, you put a lot of forwards in the position of Holland with the team behind him, and they'll perform in a similar manner. But I don't think you get Holland status, and that's just it speaks for itself. So, Sean, Kyle, do you have any specific stats that you want to point out other than the fact that he's a goal scoring machine? Uh, yeah, I got one. Um, it would just be that he has 36% goal conversion for his shots, which is insane. You know, his shot yeah. accuracy is right down the middle with the best strikers, Salah, Rashford, all them. But it's just goal conversion at more than a third of his shots hit the back of the net. That's incredible. Yeah. That's that's he's, insane. Yeah, he's averaging a goal that's every insane. 75 minutes this season. That's nuts. Yeah, it is. I will say, I'll, I'll point out my honorable mentions. I have one honorable mention. I have a look. This is something that I did on my own, but I have a you have to watch out for this guy next season. And honorable mention because he's just outshined by Holland this season, and it's Harry Kane. He has performed outrageously this year, and unfortunately it was not enough to shine any form of light on the Spurs. So hopefully Kane gets what he deserves and moves on to a better team next year where he can actually then be in the argument with with Holland. But my player to look out for, and I would put him up there as possibly the next Thierry Henry, is Isaac. From Newcastle. The man plays just like Thierry. He is six foot four. The ball does not leave more than one foot from his feet unless he makes sure it does for his stride. He has unbelievable pace, unbelievable ability with the ball, and his striking form is phenomenal. You're going to watch out for this guy next season. I guarantee it. I don't know if he'll give Holland a run for his money because it's Holland and City, but he may. Other than that, we go to our final one, which is our left wing position, which again, we're split two to one. This time, Sean and I are, Sean and I do agree, and it's an agreement upon a Gooner. So we have Martinelli out on the left side, and I think it's safe to say that this goes without a show. I think the only other one that would really have an argument would be your selection, Kyle, and that is of Marcus Rashford because of how pure form he was off of the World Cup and a little bit beforehand. But Martinelli overall, such a major contributor to the team of Arsenal. Another one that got over 10 goals and 10 assists for Arsenal. He is the greatest winger forward position player outside of, I would say, Vinicius Jr. in the top five leagues right now. And he has shown so brightly this year. Luckily, he signed a new contract last season, and we'll see a lot more of him to come. 
So Sean, Kyle, Sean, you're, you're on par with Martinelli there. Kyle, I know you are not. Why did you choose Rashford over Martinelli? Well, Rashford made the world stand still, you know, there was, there was talk of Rashford in every single league come after the world mm. cup. What was it 10 games straight mm. with a goal? He had players from the Bundesliga players from La Liga doing his celebration. That is outstanding. And to do it with the weapons that man you had. And what I mean by that is the lack of weapons that man you had. They, they would have been in shambles without Marcus Rashford this year. Absolute shambles. Agreed. And Agreed. out of all the players, we're taking away, you know, Harry Kane, we're taking away Erling Holland. Out of just the left wingers, he had the most goals out of everyone in the Premier League. So, to me, he's paid to score goals. He's paid to turn heads, and that's all he did this season, more than anyone else. Yeah, I mean, he was, like you said, the world stood still with him. I will say that only Martinelli was only one goal behind Rashford, 16 to 15. Yeah. And yeah, you're right. as far as far as goals and assists go, uh he was, let's see, Martinelli was only one goal behind one goal slash assist behind him too, 21 to 20. So Bakayo Saka, though, uh, if we're talking about wingers, was 24, which was ahead of him. And then of course, because he's on our starting eleven, uh Mohamed Salah had 30 as far as wingers go for that. So obviously a massive honorable mention for Rashford, but I think we can, Sean, you can do the honors and Martinelli gets the cake on our final position on our starting 11. Yeah, I think he's going to be. And the other thing is too, that's interesting about Martinelli is that he's shown the ability to play through the middle. When Gabriel Mm -hmm. Jesus went down, he played through the middle on occasion and he looked good there. Um, I very, very high ceiling for him. I think, you know, not not long before we're talking about him among the best wingers in the world. Uh, I think yeah. he has that that upside. I agree, and well, I'm not saying something I like to hear. Uh, this is not talking to whether or not I want him on the team, but Marcus Rashford off the pitch is as stand up a guy as you will ever meet. Absolutely, you know, yeah, absolutely. true. He's, absolutely, he's making headlines every week for doing soup kitchens, donating his money, his time. He's just a yeah, all around yeah. good guy. Yeah, he, he and I have uh, have a couple lunches every now and then to discuss yes. how good of a guy he is. Marcus Desarrero, right? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But, gentlemen, that concludes our starting 11. So, Sean, do you want to go down the line and just round up the horn, say who we have starting from the back to the forward, and we'll end on that beautiful note. Yeah, so uh, it's a four-three-three formation. As Tess said, you want to you don't want to do the Todd Bowley four-four-three, but that would make the inclusions easier for this one. Uh, we have Allison between the pipes. At right back, we have Kieran Trippier. At center back, we have Ruben Diaz and William Saliba. Um, and then at left back, we have Saliba's teammate Alexander Zinchenko. In midfield, we who did we actually do we who did we come to on CDM Casemiro? Casemiro, yep. Yeah, Casemiro in the holding midfield, and then the easiest two, or one of the, the two of the easiest three, De Bruyne and Odegaard up front, Holland, and then Mohamed Salah. I, I sw- swayed Kyle to my side of the, the uh, pendulum. I appreciate that. The dark side, the dark but, side. Fair. Yes, dark Saka side. obviously being hard done there, and then we have Martinelli on the left. So pretty good team. Obviously, we mentioned for the honorable mentions, we mentioned Gundogan in midfield, up front, Harry Kane and Isak. Lissandra Martinez at center back. And uh, Kyle, you got one more? Yeah, can I just add one quick honorable mention here? I'm going to yeah, throw a, a, a super sub free kick taker with James Ward-Prowse because okay. he was yeah. nothing but class and fun to watch this season for free kicks. 
We'll see Every him on the next like year, him. breaking the record. His celebration. Oh, yep. Absolutely. Top, top Absolutely. There is one more honorable mention. I'm sorry I meant to mention it. This goes to you, Kyle, with Jack Grealish obviously coming into extreme form late in the season. I just figured that we'd give him and his calves, who'd probably get their own position on the pitch <laughs> because of the pure mass. But uh, other than that, that is a killer starting 11 Doug, boys. You find the crazy <laughs> things about certain people. I swear to God. <laughs> like I said, it's it's an honor talking shop with you guys. Uh, a little sentimental again. This is our second to last episode for the season. I'm sure you will hear us here and there in the summer when we get bored or we need to escape back into the world of football for a special here or there. But you will catch us on our final episode next Monday. But as far as this one goes, I think it's a wrap. We appreciate everyone sticking with us. I know it was a bit of a longer one today, but I hope everyone enjoys that last segment that we did together, a team of the season. And uh, without further ado, enjoy the remainder of your evening. And remember, anytime you want to get into the EPL state of mind, you have myself, Sean, and Kyle here. So thank you again. And we'll see you next week.